Welcome to the I Want to Know podcast. I'm Josh Spector. I am your host. If you don't know who I am, I'm the creator of the For the Interested newsletter, which you can check out at fortheinterested.com. If you're new here, welcome. If you're old here, you've heard this before, but I'll keep it quick. This podcast exists for a simple reason, to help creative entrepreneurs get their questions answered. Here's how it works. Each episode, a different guest comes on and asks me three questions. We have about a 10-minute conversation about each of them, and that's it. No fluff, lots of actionable tips and strategies you can put to use. Hopefully it helps the guest and it helps you as the listener or viewer. Today, we are going to talk all about partnerships, which I think, number one, are hugely helpful to anyone that wants to grow their audience and business. And so I'm excited to get into this, something we haven't really talked about much on the show. Today, my guest is Matt Silderman. Matt is a digital agency owner and the creator of Personal Funnels. While working as a public school teacher, he used his free time to scale a digital agency to better provide for his family. And he's now creating personal funnels courses and leading live workshops with the future, uh, which is a great website, by the way, to teach creatives how to achieve the same success. With that in mind, hey, Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited. I appreciate you doing this and I'm really excited to get into your questions. So why don't we jump right into it? Let's start with what is the first thing that you want to know? Okay, so as my bio said a little bit about, I've been blessed to partner with Christo in the future. In 2018, I got my first taste, or we did blogging for creative entrepreneurs. It's an ebook and course. And then more recently, I came back to them and I'm doing the personal funnels workshops with them. I originally started off because I had no audience. I built my agency without, I have a social presence, but not really. As it was a side hustle, I was not spending time on that. I was spending time on my clients and my day job. and It was more of a lifestyle business. So I built that business through relationships, no social presence. When I started creating knowledge products, I had no one to share it with. So partnering with- Minor detail. Yeah, so partnering with the future has been a great experience. I got to borrow their audience, got a little bit of revenue. And now that I am trying to push more into education products and grow my own audience, I noticed that each time I partner with them, I get, like each time we do a live workshop and we promo for it, I get a big audience bump. And so mm-hmm. I would love to hear, I really appreciate what you say on your podcast and, and your newsletter. And I'd love to hear what your thoughts are as far as how do I further maximize the partnership? I've built a great relationship with them. And how do I maximize the partnership and grow my audience and just anything else that, that you can recommend? And- okay. So let's start for people that don't know, explain a little what pers- the personal funnels is and what that sure. what that means and who your target audience is. So give me a little bit about that and then give me a little bit about what the structure of your partnership with the future is right now, like what you provide, what they provide, that kind of thing. So first about personal funnels, basically, as I said, I built the agency with no social presence. And as I did, I was stumbling around, figuring out how to grow this agency. What I realized was, is that I had a wealth of relationships and through maximizing those relationships, I started to develop a system. Now it took a while, but I developed a system for how you, let me see if I can explain it simply. So everybody loves automated marketing funnels. And the thing is though, that the psychology stays the same when you take away the automation. So getting someone to know, like, and trust you is what we do in person, but we never apply mm-hmm. funnel to our in-person relationship. And mm-hmm. we never apply value ladders to offline business relationships as you 
build trust with the client. And so I've taken those tools that have made people thousands of dollars, millions of dollars, and I'm just applying that to in-person relation. And so okay. they had the audience and I came to them and we've been able to work together. And so that's been great. Okay. Um, and so you've, cre so you created a course around that and partnered with them, essentially, like you said, they've had distribution, you had created this course. So what are they giving you? What are you giving them? What does that partnership look like right now? Okay. Well, I have to say to, to back up. So the, the first, it first started where we created this ebook and course in 2018. It is truly passive because we created it, Ben Burns and I created it together, and then I just get royalties from that and I don't market it at all. That's been terrific. The personal funnels workshop is we do it two to three times a year and I help them market it, come up with some of the ideas for the marketing strategy and tweak the copy a little bit. And then I do the workshop presentation uh, mm -hmm. and, and then that's it. And like I said, we do it a couple of times a year. So, okay, cool. And then as part of your question, we talked about sort of maximizing this partnership. I always think it's important to define terms people use in goals. So what does maximize it mean to you? Obviously I'm guessing some of it is make more money, make more sales. Is it also grow your audience? Like when you, what, what is a maximized version of this partnership look like to you? Great question. It is, it is make more money. It's also grow my audience because they may go in a different direction in the future, right? We may have mm -hmm. different plans or different goals. And so I believe in this principle of diversification and I don't want to just only rely on them. And mm -hmm. so I want to be able to speak directly with an audience. So I am trying to grow an audience. And in the meantime, I certainly would, would love to grow the revenue. Do you have an email list, a newsletter? How are you measuring the size of your own audience? So through a lot of different attempts. So I started on Twitter, tried a little bit on Twitter, mm -hmm. uh, found out that my OCD when it comes to writing was kicking in as far as like tweet threads and writing hooks for every single tweet. So I said, okay, this is taking me too long. But what I found that works for me is YouTube because I've had a mm -hmm. YouTube channel for a while. And so just doing quick shorts. Mm -hmm. And then also I do enjoy writing and it does come naturally to me. And just putting like atomic essays onto LinkedIn, which I only just okay. started to do, but based on, okay, full-time job as a teacher agency, and then now starting an education arm, I said, mm -hmm. okay, where can I little effort, big results, what's the best place to do that? So I'm sticking to those two networks okay. uh, as, as for right now. Okay. So I'm going to attack this from sort of two, the maximization of this from sort of two different angles, right? So one is, I'm going to go, it's like, and they're related, but different. So one is how do you maximize and get more revenue out of this? The other is how do you maximize and grow your audience? Obviously both help each other. The bigger you grow your audience, True. the more you're going to monetize, True. the more you monetize, the easier it is to grow your audience, right? So they're related, but they are different. I think I'll start with the audience side. So I like that you're not trying to be everywhere and use a million platforms. I would strongly recommend email list or newsletter, depending how you define it. It's the best connection you can have to an audience. So it's great to have YouTube followers or LinkedIn followers you'll reach way more people way more consistently because an email list is algorithm proof. Rented, so rented land versus own land. Exactly. I, I understand. My recommendation would be ideally you have a newsletter that you send at least, even if it's very short, I write a one paragraph daily newsletter. Subscriber. 
Awesome. So, so you can figure out the content piece so that it's not overwhelming. But even if you're not going to send regularly, converting the attention you get both from the future and other partnerships that you may do from LinkedIn, from YouTube, converting all of that to email addresses and having that be the sort of number one metric that you measure your own audience growth with. Because once you have that email list, you can use that to drive to not only your products, but all the other stuff. So for example, my email list, my newsletter is the biggest driver of downloads to my podcast. So that would be one thing on the audience side that I think you definitely want to figure out some some way in which that you're that you're growing and getting email addresses. Then the second piece of that is right now in this in the work that you do or the stuff you do with the future, are you promoting within the course, within the workshop, whatever, are you giving people a reason to connect to you personally after they've consumed it there? So there is somewhat of a fine line there because I'm not allowed to collect email addresses, but they're okay with me asking people to connect with me, but I have not created an additional deliverable or additional free download like, hey, sign up for this. As I thought about it, I almost felt a little guilty. Like, but wait a minute. So I'm, you paid for this workshop and now I'm saying, oh, but I'm holding back on value. I didn't give you everything. I didn't give you everything I had. So, oh, by the way, now, now sign up for this. And so I know you can do that well. I would, I would flip. That's just a, that's just a mindset obstacle, which by the way, I think is very common. Like, I don't think you're unusual. And I'm sure lots of people listening to this are going like, that's how I feel all the time too. Don't think about it as holding back. Think about it as offering them more. And my advice would be to offer something that is complimentary or a level up. It's not the same thing. So I would absolutely do it. And what you're doing is, again, it's, a lot of this is just you're in your own head. It's not the reality. No one is going to go, oh, this guy held back. By the way, this is assuming that the workshop is actually good and valuable, which I'm sure it is. I haven't taken it, but I'm sure it is. So you've given them all this value. They're like, oh, this was great. And saying, hey, if you want more, if you want a deeper dive, if you want, like if you, I know you don't do, or I assume you don't do like one-on-one coaching, but if you did, you could say, hey, here's how to do this thing. If you want one-on-one help, here's how to do it. That's not holding back. That's offering them a different level, a different format of stuff. So I would absolutely do that. The other thing is, is with every partnership, everything's malleable and negotiable. So they may have a policy of like, look, we're not giving you any email addresses. That's not what we do. And they may say, and we don't want to do that, which is totally fine. But you could also say, hey, this would be really important to me. What if I, you guys get a higher percentage of the money? What I, like you could say, and I'm completely making this up, but and I have no oh, idea what your cut yeah, is or anything. But you might go, hey, every email address of someone who does this is worth $5 for me. What if you guys, what if I give you an extra $5 for every email that's signed up? I'm picking five as just a random number. They still might go, yeah, we're not doing that. But I think a lot of times people with partnerships in general assume that like, especially if it's with someone that has a bigger audience or bigger whatever, they assume like, well, it is what it is, take it or leave it. And in some cases it may be, but in a lot of cases it's not. So it can't hurt to ask the worst they say is like, yeah, no, we don't really do that. And I'll give you an example. I might've mentioned this before, but it's actually about to happen again. Someone reached out to me and invited me to speak to a conference, actually a journalism thing to a bunch of like independent journalists. And they said, we have a small honorarium that we give you. And I said, okay, that's great. It's going to be on Zoom. I said, are you okay with, this is going to be recorded anyway. If I want to turn around and sell it to my audience, 
are you cool with that? And they said, sure. So, so now, and I don't know that I actually will, we'll see how it goes. And my audience isn't really journalists, but it changes the entire dynamic of me doing it and my decision to do it because it's like, okay, maybe it's only the X amount of money, but now I know I'm also getting this thing that I could potentially sell. You just don't know if you, if you don't ask. Yeah. So I think that's, that's one thing. The other thing is, and now we're shifting over to the, to the kind of money side of this equation, right? And how to maximize that. So you need to get really clear on what the value is you're providing to them both monetarily, but also why are they doing this? Both sides with any partnership are getting something out of it. They want to get something out of it and hopefully they're getting that thing out of it. But there may be additional things that they want. So, and even having that conversation with them and saying, hey, I love working with you guys. This is great. I love what we've done so far. I'm looking forward to doing more. I'm just curious, why are you guys doing, like, what is it, what does this get you? My guess is, in this, in this particular situation, you're saving them time and effort of having to create something on their own. You're bringing a set of expertise and legitimacy to it. Like there's probably multiple things that you're doing. Once you're clear on what hey, they get hey, out of it. Interrupt. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, please okay. do. So I have had that conversation in okay. the past when we first started down this road. Now I know that they keep renewing. It's one of these that if each workshop continues to perform, we get to do another one. We don't mm -hmm. have a set agreement for a certain amount of year. So mm -hmm. to answer your question, I'm getting great feedback. I'm getting great reviews and, and they want to keep offering to their audience. So I know that it's going well. But what I've been told is that a couple of different things. Number one is the title makes it sexy, right? Oh, it's mm -hmm. got funnels it, but wait, it's personal. Right. What, what does that have right. to do with, right? right. So automatically that grabs attention. And then nobody's talking about relationships anymore. We want AI, mm -hmm. we want, it's kind of like the power of email. Everybody mm -hmm. ran to social media. They were like, oh, email's yeah. dead. In the same way, they think relationships are dead and they don't understand that it's the fastest way to build trust. So mm -hmm. the fact that I have a unique perspective and a sexy title, that was enough to get things going. And then the prior relationship. So right. they knew I did a little tryout and they were like, okay, this is good. And, and so we've been able to run with it. So that is some of what they get when we had that conversation more than a year ago. Okay. So that, that's, yeah, no, that's great. And I'm glad you shared that because what, so if I were in your shoes then, and I'm looking at like, how can I get more out of this partnership? And I'm specifically on the focused on the money side of it now. The, the real question from a money perspective is like, okay, we have this thing. How can it generate more money? Because that's going to make more money for them and more money for me and, and more money Absolutely. for everybody. So the first thing I would say is like, okay, they like the concept. You guys have done the workshops before, right? Yeah, You've done I'm, it. I've done it four times. Okay. So it worked well. There, are, there was audience interest, obviously, et cetera. Yeah. So to me, the initial no brainer, I shouldn't say no brainer, but the first thing I would think about is, okay, is there a complimentary product that could be available on demand? that anyone who went to this workshop or was interested in the workshop and was like, that was really good, afterwards they would buy. Or maybe I can't go to that workshop, but this would be an alternative version of it for me to get. One of the ways to think about that is think about, I talk about horizontal or vertical expansion. So horizontal expansion is somebody who needs your personal funnels workshop. What do they need right before that? Or what do they need right after? Both of those are potential expansions. Vertical is you, you know what's in the personal funnels workshop. Could you take any element of that and create a deeper dive into it? 
So for example, if part of the personal funnels workshop was, I'm making this up, but like your initial outreach to somebody or identifying people that you want to, a relationship with. Could you create a product that's a deep dive into identifying a relationship that goes way beyond what's in the workshop? So if I would brainstorm a bunch of ideas, either horizontal or vertical, maybe an example of a horizontal one is you have this workshop about personal funnels and how to build these relationships. Maybe the step after that is how to revive relationships that have gone stale, that kind of thing, right? A very logical, like I did this thing, I got value out of it. What's the next thing I need to do? How to turn 10 relationships into 100 relationships. And as you do that, you can go to them, your interests with them are aligned and you can say, look, I know that you like this concept. Your audience likes this concept. There's interest. How do we expand this? Does that all make sense? Absolutely. Do you cool. think, so I've been thinking about that. I have a perfect follow-up course. I have the workshop in course format, which I sell, but I don't really have an audience, so nobody's buying it, right? Mm -hmm. I have a perfect follow-up one. And my potential thought was to go to them and say, I'll give you a referral link that we'll post during the workshop and you can get X amount percent on, on the sales. Do you think mm -hmm. that that is a... Obviously, it's up to negotiation, back and forth, et cetera. Yeah, I think it depends on what they want and what makes sense. And I would also think through on your end, even though you don't have an audience, you will at some point, and now you're going to focus more on growing it and all that. So think about, it's not just what makes the most sense for them, but also what makes the most sense for for you. Sure. And that's that's something to to consider. So let's get to, let's get to your second question. What is the next thing that you want to know? Taking all of that into account, I really believe in the importance of diversification. I mentioned it earlier as well, mm -hmm. because God forbid their company has trouble or they go on a different direction. I'd love to partner with other education companies, other micro influencers, other people who have audiences or brands to have access to their audience. And then as we know, each time I partner with somebody, my, my audience grows, right? And I can mm -hmm. make a little extra money. I'd love to hear your advice on partnering with with other micro-influencers or partnering mm -hmm. with other education companies? So again, there's sort of two pieces of this. I think you're primarily focused on what I'm going to call free partnerships versus a paid sponsorship advertising. Although both are relevant, we're primarily talking about some sort of free partnership, not buying ads and that kind of stuff. So the first thing you need to do is you need to identify potential partners. And to do that, ideally, you'd come up with a big list of Best case scenario, like here are all the people that it would be amazing if this person could tell their audience about me and my stuff. You're basically coming up with a hit list. And it's interesting that we're having this conversation because I'm sure a lot of this mirrors things that you talk about in your personal funnels and relationship building and all that. First, you need to figure out who do I want a relationship with? So come up with a list of potential partners. And I think one of the best ways to do that is I, I call it mapping an audience. So you have some idea of who you want. So describe to me just in general, the, the audience that you want to reach, not the partners necessarily, but the actual people that you would want to get in front of. So my audience is me of the last 10 decades, right? Excuse me, mm -hmm. 10 years. You know, someone who believes in the importance of relationships and is looking to either grow as a freelancer or grow as an agency owner. But it's certainly easier since I run a marketing agency, it's easier for me to relate to and speak to people in the field of markets. Okay. So, so I'm thinking micro agency or solopreneurs. Okay. So what I would do is I would, again, in a 
notes document or a pad of paper or whatever you want, I would write down that sort of, you know, that ideal target audience, right? I want to get in front of freelancers and agency owners, primarily marketing related, et cetera. Then I would just start listing down everyone you can think of, both individuals, companies, organizations, anyone you can think of that has that audience. And that could be not only sort of influencer thought leader types and not only people that have companies, but it also could be organizations. Is there the National Association of Freelancers? It could be conferences, social media marketing world. Are there a lot of people there that fit that description? Like really try to think of like any place. It could be online communities, a Facebook group for this, a LinkedIn, whatever for this, a newsletter that's aimed at free, like anything you can think of where those people are gathered. Then I would take those one by one and use the ones that you know to discover, this is the mapping of an audience part. Use the ones that you know to see what else they're connected to. So I'm gonna give you two specific examples of how to do this. And I'll use the the future as one example because you know that they have an audience that's a good fit yeah. for you. If you go on Twitter, and you can do this with any account on Twitter, by the way, if you go on Twitter and you go to the profile for the future and you click like the three dots, you can see what Twitter lists they have. I don't know how familiar you are with Twitter lists or not, a little bit. but okay. So you can see what Twitter lists they have. And when I looked before, I don't think they actually have any Twitter lists set up. But what's interesting is you can also see who has put them on a Twitter list. Okay. And you'll see all these people that have created lists of like design thought leaders or what, and you can see what people name their list, but they're all lists that have the future on it, which means that the other members of those lists are probably similar. So you can go through and literally go, oh, I didn't know this organization existed. If you wanted to reach, and I'm going to go more into this later, but if you wanted to reach my audience, for example, you could go to my Twitter account, see what Twitter lists I'm featured on. And the people that have put me to a list on a list are probably filling those lists with other people that are like me and therefore have similar audiences. So you've taken your initial list of sort of potential partners that you came up with and massively expanding it by doing a little research to find out who's similar. The other way to do this, depending on your niche, is you can, in almost every niche, there are people out there that have posted blog posts or articles or videos recommending people to follow within that niche. So if you go to Google and you do a search for Instagram for freelancers, I think one of the first results is like eight or 10 Instagram accounts every freelancer should follow. Again, you're mapping this audience, right? So without spending a ton of time, like this, all this whole, all this research might take you an hour. You've created this massive list of targets for potential partners for you. And in doing so, you have mapped the audience and gotten a much clearer sense of this universe and this space that you want to be in. So now you have all these, all these leads. So that's the sort of identify potential partners piece. And also when you do have an audience, you can ask your audience and even ask a few individual people. You don't have to have a massive audience. Who else do you follow? Who do you love? Like who, who, who says really smart stuff about this? What do you read? What, you know, that kind of stuff. Another thing you can do is you can look at authors. So let's say there was a book, I'm making this up, but a book aimed at agency owners. You could go see what podcast has that author been on? If you find one podcast that's a perfect fit for your audience, go look on Apple or Spotify or whatever, where they say like people that listen to this also listen to this. And so you can go down these rabbit holes and very quickly get a sense of things that you otherwise may 
may not have known existed. Another thing to keep in mind with this is don't assume that you need big partners. The future is a big partner. They have a big audience. That's awesome. It's great. Like it's great to go after big partners and I'm not saying you shouldn't, but keep in mind you can get 50 sales from one partner or five sales from 10 partners. It's still 50 sales. So some of this in terms of expanding the partnership is also expanding in your own mind what matters and what's valuable. So I have a big newsletter. I would do cross promotions all the time with people and I might have 30,000 subscribers, but I would do a cross promotion with someone that had 5,000 and they couldn't believe it. But for me, I was like, well, that's still going to get me subscribers that I didn't otherwise have. Like, what do I care? It's not actually costing me. Like if I like your newsletter and, and think my readers will like it, what difference does it make if I send you more than you send me? Like I'm still growing. So it's important to understand on both sides of the size equation one, just because someone's way bigger than you, as you've seen with the future, doesn't mean that they won't partner with you. And just because someone's smaller than you doesn't mean that it's not worth a partnership because it's still gonna it's still gonna get you something. The other thing to keep in mind with smaller partners is in theory, everyone's audience is growing. So a small partnership today that drives you five sales next year might drive you 50 sales, depending on what happens to them. So there is a sort of just like with relationships. There's a long game piece to this as well. The other thing I would say is when you do get a partnership, look to make it recurring. And it doesn't have to formally be recurring, but I say this all the time when people do like newsletter cross promotions. Like if it worked once for both of you, do it once a quarter, do it twice a year, do it once a year, like put it in your calendar. Like once it works for both parties, don't just be like, Hey, great job. We did it. All right. Let me go find someone new. You're really looking for things that you can then repeat, which obviously you are doing already with the future. And so you've seen firsthand how that can, can multiply. And then the last Last thing I would say about securing more partnerships is look for people who sell similar products or offer similar services. I think there's a tendency to feel like they're competition and that's not necessarily true. They very well could be collaborators. You could even bundle your products potentially. Here's a good example, right? Let's say that you found someone who's a networking coach. They don't, they, you know, you don't do coaching. They don't have a course. Maybe they promote your course to their audience. You promote their coaching service to your audience and you both win from it. Whereas the initial instinct would be, well, they're going after relationship dollars and I'm going after relationship dollars and we're competitors. That's not necessarily true. And so I would consider and look at ways that you could work together and and find those people because they're going to have your audience, right? That coach who's posting stuff on LinkedIn about developing relationships has a perfect audience for you and vice yeah. versa. And and there's all different ways to there's all different ways to do that. You could for example, they could say, "Hey, I've got an email list and I'll promote your your next workshop to my email list." Maybe you do an affiliate deal, maybe you don't. You can get into sort of all of that. And you say, "Cool, I'll have you come to the workshop and do like a 10 minute cameo where you talk about your particular system. You can get creative with, with how you do it. The big takeaway here again is first you have to identify and map that audience and go what's out there, who's out there that I could potentially partner with and then go down the rabbit hole of figuring out how to do that and make it work. Any questions about any of that? No, I think, I guess 
think you answered this as my mind is processing mm-hmm. this, but I think my initial dilemma was approach some smaller creators who had their own products, built relationship, approach mm-hmm. them, and they were like, oh no, I only do my own stuff. I only mm-hmm. sell my own stuff. And so then I said to myself, oh, maybe, maybe it's only education companies because they'll have multiple products. I guess executed on that yet because I wanted to have a good strategy in place and not just mm-hmm. spend a ton of time. And so I, I was like, this is one of the reasons I want to talk to you. But yeah, uh, so but- I would say a couple, I would say a couple of things with that. One is, I don't know how many people you reached out to, but again, this is, I'm not picking on you. This is a totally common thing. Most people, when they do outreach, they reach out to a handful of people and then they go, oh, it's not working. When the truth is, yeah, most of it's not going to work. But if if you reach out to five people and they say no, if you reach out to 50 people, maybe five of them say yes. And that five drives a lot of sales and drives a lot of whatever. So you don't, so you don't really know. And that's true with everyone, including myself. Like I've been guilty of this all the time where I'll be like, oh, I have this idea. And I reach out to one or two people and I'm like, eh, I guess it doesn't work. And then it's like, well, wait a second. That's not really, that's not really giving it a, a fair shot. The other thing that I would say is understanding it once you can figure out what they want. So if the person says to you, I don't sell other people's products, I only sell my own. I go, okay, well, I don't necessarily need you to sell my product and I can help you sell yours. You're valuing audience growth as much as you are monetization at this point. So you could say to them, I'm not asking you to sell my product. I'd love you to just plug my newsletter and I'll mention your product. If when you go to someone and you say, hey, I'm looking to do this and they say, well, I don't I don't really do that. You can always follow up with like, well, what do you what are you looking to accomplish? Maybe I can help you with the thing that you want as opposed to like, okay, well, I guess it's not going to work. That shifts the whole conversation and you start thinking about, okay, this guy said to me. He wants more sales of his products. What could I do to help him do that? And he's not going to sell my product, but does he have anything? Maybe it's someone who I'm making this up has a podcast. So maybe you go, hey, I'll tell you what, like you don't have to sell my product, but maybe I'll come on your podcast. And in exchange, I'll mention your product in my workshop or on, on LinkedIn or do, you know, do whatever. Or I'll introduce you to the guys I know at the future. Like there's all sorts of ways... And again, sometimes it's not going to work. Most times it's not going to work. But there will be times where you can figure something out that works. I have to tell you, I am thoroughly embarrassed. I think we keep running into a mindset issue, which is that Mm-hmm. I'm embarrassed that I have no audience, but the things that you're telling me to do as far as one of the main focuses of personal funnels is finding the win-win so that you both yeah. can win together. And I repeatedly do that for my clients in the services business mm-hmm. as far as whether it's negotiations or all this, but I'm letting myself be hindered because, you know, it's this silly little complex and inferiority, I guess, I don't know, imposter syndrome that I'm like, well, I don't have an audience and I haven't been doing this that long. It's silly that I'm letting that get in the way. Well, and I also think one of the reasons that you probably don't, and again, this is so common for everybody, is for a lot of people, the assumption of what you have to do to build an audience and who you have to be, and I include myself in this, I've gotten, I think it's a, it's a, it's a journey. So like I have evolved, I went from like not even really promoting my own stuff on my social accounts to to like doing a podcast that's about people asking me questions. Like it, this is not like, this did not happen overnight for me as well. So I understand it very well. And I think part of it is there's a set of assumptions 
that you have about, I have to use social media in this way. I have to be this kind of thought leader. I have to do X, Y, and Z that I don't really want to do and doesn't feel authentic to quote unquote grow an audience. But the truth is once you realize that that's not true, that all you have to do and all social media or all any of this stuff is is just genuinely trying to provide value and help people. It's not, you're never gonna see me post a selfie. You're never, I'm not doing any of that like garbage. I'm just taking the expertise I have and just trying to genuinely help people, right? And have conversations like this and say, this person came to me with this question. I told them this, they found it helpful. You guys might find it helpful too. And what happens is people really, the things that people think work on social don't really work on social. Just being a normal person and being genuinely helpful is what works and what will grow your audience. And you don't have to have all those conflicted feelings. You don't have to be on every social platform. You don't have to like go crazy. You just have to take what you're doing anyway and make it available and share it with people. And I think once you wrap your head around that, because that's what holds, again, myself included, what holds so many people back is going like, I don't want to be that. I don't want to do that. But you don't have to do that to, to build an audience. Let's get to your third question. What's the last thing you want to know? So we've talked about borrowing an audience with those two previous questions. In addition to what you've already said, are there other ways that we can borrow audiences without formal partners? Yeah. And this is, it's funny that we just wound up talking about social media a little bit because this is like a perfect lead into that. So the beauty about social media, forget posting for a second, but the ability to reply and engage to other people that are doing stuff. Most people are posting stuff all day and they're not getting any traction. Like go look at anybody's tweets. You reply to them. They're like, oh my God, this guy replied. Somebody noticed. That's crazy. But the other beauty of it is that you can get in front of anyone's audience by engaging with their comments. It's short circuits that you don't need a formal partnership. This is also where you have your list of people that are the potential partners. Most of them are using some social platform or multiple social platforms or whatever they're doing. So what people do wrong is they think, okay, I go follow that guy and I go to reply to his stuff and I'm trying to build a relationship with that guy or that woman, that thought leader. I think you're actually trying to build a relationship with their audience. So instead Instead of replying to them, you can still reply to them, but I'm looking at the commenters and replying to them. So I've done this thing at times and it's, it sounds, I don't know why I call it this because it sounds evil, but it's not, it's not, it's not evil. You can essentially hijack people with big audiences comments in a one-to-one -one way with their commenters, right? So somebody out there, let's say, posts a thing about ask me whatever questions you have about newsletter growth. An A, B, and C person go, one person goes, what email provider should I use? And how do I get subscribers to refer other people and whatever? I'm going in and replying to each of those individual people that are asking the person the question because I have an expertise in it. So when you have this list of people that are posting about stuff relevant to you and freelancers, you're going into those in comments, engaging with what is your audience. And when you provide your audience value, they go, who's this guy? And then they go follow. So you're literally like pulling people over, not in a shady way, but, and as you start doing that on all these different accounts, people start to see you over and over again. The key is a lot of times, like you'll tell people to do this. And again, what they get wrong is they just go in and start promoting themselves. 
So what you don't do is like if the newsletter one, I wouldn't go in and be like, oh, you you said you wanted to know how to do that. Go buy my course like that. That's not the that's not the point. Yeah. A couple other things you can do. So again, to borrow audiences without formal partnerships is one is create a way to showcase people. Whether you have a podcast, I know you're doing YouTube, whether you have a newsletter, something where you can interview or showcase somebody else and they're likely to share that with their audience and return the favor. So you can also kill two birds with one stone here, right? So maybe you want to have a newsletter, but you don't actually want to write a ton, like it's a lot of work. So maybe your newsletter is just a three question interview with a different person each time about how they built relationships. Now you're literally emailing them three questions. They're emailing you back the answers and you're cutting and pasting it. And that's that week's newsletter. But this bucket, this showcase gives you a reason to reach out to all those people that you want to have a relationship with and partnership with and say, hey, in my newsletter, I share how people build relationships. I'll send you three questions. Are you interested? And I'll feature you. What's going to happen? A lot of those people will say, sure. They'll send you their answers. You say, hey, the issue came out and they might share it. And now you have gotten in front of their audience and gotten them to promote your newsletter without any kind of formal partnership, whatever. So creating some space where you can showcase people does all kinds of good things for you. The next one is you can seek out existing communities to join. So if your audience is freelancers, I am sure there are Facebook freelance groups and whatever it is, go in there, become an active part of the community, provide value. Don't just go in and promote your stuff and whatever. It's easy to just find places where they gather. The other note on the community thing is if you can find paid communities, that's really interesting because everyone in there is spending money. Not only are you getting in front of a bunch of people, you're getting in front of a bunch of people who care enough about the freelance business. If you found a paid community for agency owners, you're not only getting in front of agency owners by joining, you're getting in front of agency owners who are paying to improve their business. So it's like even more valuable than a rent. Facebook group. I did that recently with a community in my mind, like, yeah, it was like, I wanted to be around those people and it was a good fit and it's great, but this is also good use of marketing money. And sure enough, it has led to people buying stuff for me and whatever. If you're going to do paid, I know this is a different thing, but obviously paid ads, either through social targeting or ads in people's newsletters or podcasts, like it, that's an easy way to get in. If you have budget, that's an easy way to get in front of them. And then the last thing I want to give you here, it's so interesting because I had done a tweet thread and I'll include it in the in the description, a link to it. I did this, I think, a couple months ago. And I literally was like to my audience, I was like, do you realize I have 30,000 people basically on Twitter and my newsletter who are creative entrepreneurs who follow my stuff and the podcast and whatever. I was like, I don't know if you realize this, but there are 10 different ways you can get in front of my audience to use your term. You can borrow my audience pretty much for free. I think one of them is paid. The rest are all basically free. And I was like, I don't know if you guys have thought about it or paying attention, but I'm giving you, here are the 10 ways, and anyone who's listening to this, here are the 10 ways that you can reach my audience. Number one, you can quote tweet my tweets, then I will almost always retweet it. Super simple. People read, and I've now started to, people retweet my tweets without the quote tweet. I can't do anything with that. I can't put you in front of my audience if I wanted to. So I've now actually started messaging people when they retweet and say, hey, thanks so much. But just so you know, in the future, if you do a quote tweet, it lets me share it and you can reach my audience. So side tip there, if you do use Twitter, you should always quote tweet. The second one is if you create something that my readers would find useful, a blog post, a video, whatever, send it to me. If I like it, if I think they'll like it, I'll feature it in my newsletter, I'll share it on Twitter. Easy way to get in front of my audience. 
if you find something valuable, I curate stuff in my newsletter all the time. So you didn't even have to create it. You could go, hey, I saw this video that was amazing. And if I think it's amazing and I share it in my newsletter, I'm going to say, hey, I got this from Matt with a link. The fourth one, you can submit questions to be a guest on this podcast, which I think unlike most podcasts, I don't know many where literally anyone can come on if you have interesting enough questions. And by the way, anyone watching this, you can go to joshspector.com slash questions to apply and submit your questions. But this is a perfect example, right? You're on here getting in, in front of these people at no cost. You're borrowing my audience as we speak. You can reply to my tweets or LinkedIn posts with something valuable. If it's good, I might share it. I might retweet it. I whatever. I've had people send me copies of their book and say, hey, if you want to check it out. And I always say like, look, I can't guarantee I'm going to do anything, but I have. I've had people send me their book and I've read it and I've been like, you know what? This is really good. And then I mention it and share it and whatever. You can invite me to be a guest on your podcast or whatever you do. Interview me in your newsletter. Just like I was talking about creating that showcase, an easy yeah. way to get me or other people to do it. You can mention me or my work in your newsletter, your blog post, your podcast, your video. People do that all the time and I wind up sharing it if they let me know. You can post on social a testimonial about something I do and or recommend it to people. There's so many little things. You have that list and you're like, oh, this I've started following this woman and she posts amazing stuff. She's probably going to share that. She might not, but she might comment on it. She might whatever. Like those little things versus what most people do, which is like, wow, I saw this amazing thing and I'll just keep that to myself. It's like just mentioning it and telling the people can create those opportunities. And then the last one, which is a paid one, is you can buy an ad in my newsletter, which works really well. Again, costs a little. Right now, they're $350, but you can get in front of 30,000 people and, and whatever. So there are paid things. But even setting that one aside, if someone wants to reach creative entrepreneurs, I have a pretty large audience of them. And there's nine things you can do to get in front of them that aren't going to cost you anything and don't really cost that much work. And those nine things you could do with just about anyone whose audience you wanted to get in front. Like those are pretty much applicable to everyone. It won't always work. Some people are more likely to share than others, whatever, but it works It works more than you think. So those are some easy ways to, to borrow audiences. Any questions about any of that before we wrap up here? No, that's great. I'm definitely going to go and retweet that with a comment. Yeah, see, there you go. You'll see, by the way, for you and anyone who's listening to this, if you go to my Twitter account, you will see that on a daily basis, I am retweeting people who have quote tweeted me. And it's funny because some people I know have caught on to it. Because now they're doing that, like now they're doing it regularly. And you see, you'll see as you go through, you'll be like, man, he, Josh retweets that guy all the time. It's like, yeah, because he gets that this is a thing, like he's taking advantage of it. So Matt, thank you so much for the questions. Thank you for coming on. I'm a huge fan of partnerships and there's so much opportunity there. And I know other people are as well. So let people know where they can find you, where they can find your stuff. Where should they, where should they go to learn more? What you're going to do is search for personal funnels and that's personal funnels on YouTube. And then you can search for me, Matt Silverman on LinkedIn. Under my, under my own name. And for me, I'm all over the place. You guys have heard this before, but I'll say it anyway. Get my newsletter for theinterested.com slash subscribe. I'm on Twitter all day, every day at Jay Spector. Quote, tweet my stuff. And you also may get in front of my audience. If you want to talk about getting some one-on-one -on -one help from me with stuff, I do coaching and consulting. Go to joshspector.com slash consulting. And I do a series of video workshops on specific topics called skill sessions. You can check those out at Josh Spector 
www.ethereumsoundcloud.com slash sessions. Thank you, Matt. Thank you everyone for your interest and I will see you next week.